You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Cammie drove through Chick-fil-A here in Denver. And when she received her order, along with her change, she received um, two little gift cards. Uh, They were pay-it-forward cards. And um, the card said, be our guest, your choice, our treat. They were involved in a pay-it-forward promotion. Did anybody else get a card like that? Huh, I guess we're special. (laughs) Try again. Ask for it, actually. Um, I love love great pay-it-forward stories, so I thought I would share a couple with you this morning. So here's the first one. Um, At 7 a.m. on a August morning in 2014, uh, uh, in, in St. Petersburg, Florida, a woman drives through a, a Starbucks drive through and when she gets up to the window, she orders her drink. She orders an iced coffee, and she pays for it, and then she orders another drink. Uh, she's by herself, but she orders another drink, and it's a caramel macchiato, actually, and um, she says, I want you to give that drink to the customer in the car behind me. And so that customer drives up and they find out that the, the, they've already been treated to a drink, a caramel macchiato. And um, so they take their drink and then they order a drink and pay for it and say, give it to the customer in the car behind me. By 1.30 that afternoon, uh, 260 people had done the same. They had paid it forward. They had bought drinks for the stranger in the car behind them. Uh, that evening at 6 p.m., the 379th customer drives through, uh, and, and he must have been Scrooge because he declined to buy uh, a drink for the customer behind him. Maybe there wasn't a car behind him. Uh, he broke the chain, but uh, bottom line is at the end of the day, uh, 378 people had paid it forward. That's pretty incredible. We think just a small, and just the fact that that's like trying to get the wave going in a ball game, right? You know, but the people, it just kept going and it kept going. And it was just a small act of kindness, just buying a cup of coffee. Uh, the second story that I want to share with you, I actually want to read to you. It comes from Ron Mel's book, The Tender Commandments. <clears throat> and here's that story. Jeffrey was an eight-year-old who, for the most part, enjoyed school. In fact, he thought that school would be nearly perfect if one thing could change. No more tests. School would be much better without those intimidating little bullies. There was one other thing that Jeffrey didn't like about school, and that was Thursday. Thursday was Jeffrey's least favorite day of the week because, you guessed it, Thursday was test day. One particular Thursday, Jeffrey became so nervous and distraught about finishing his math test on time that he did something unthinkable. Jeffrey wet his pants. This was the horror of all horrors. He looked down and he saw a little puddle by his desk. Sick with worry and embarrassment, he looked up just in time to see his teacher motioning for him to come to her desk. He thought, oh no, what am I going to do? I can't move. Knowing that he was frozen to his desk, the teacher got up from her desk and she began to walk down the aisle towards him. Oh no, he groaned. What am I going to do now? She's going to see the puddle. Everybody's going to laugh. This is going to be horrible. What he didn't know was that at that very moment, one of his classmates, a little girl named Sarah, was coming down the aisle from behind him carrying a large fishbowl. When she got up alongside him, she suddenly lurched and dropped the heavy bowl. As it collided with the floor, it shattered with a loud crash and sent water, broken glass, and displaced fish flying everywhere. 
now covered by fish tank water, Jeffrey sat thinking, thank God. Thank God. There is a God in the heavens. What a wonderful gift. What a wonderful girl. But then it dawned on Jeffrey that little boys don't even like little girls. He couldn't possibly let this incident pass. He looks at Sarah and said, what's wrong with you, you clumsy clod? Couldn't you watch where you're going? As the class laughed at Sarah, the teacher took Jeffrey, now covered with dignity, to the gym class to get some dry clothes to wear. At lunchtime, no one wanted to sit with Sarah. Her friends avoided her at recess. In the unforgiving society of elementary school, she was suddenly a plague, a pariah. When the day was over and Jeffrey was on his way home, he walked out the door and saw Sarah. All the kids were leaving, but Sarah was walking by herself. He began to reflect on what happened that day, and suddenly, on impulse, he walked over to her and he said, Hey, I've been thinking about what happened earlier today. That wasn't an accident, was it? You did that on purpose, didn't you? You did it on purpose. She said, yes, I did. I did it on purpose because, you see, I saw. I, I, I knew what had happened to you. And I wanted to help you because I, I know what it's like because, you see, I wet my pants one time too. Now, that's a sweet pay it forward story. It's really a story of great empathy. But the real beauty in this story is that this story should cause you and I to think, God, I hope I never forget what you've done for me. Because here's the deal. Bottom line is, we've all wet our pants too. We've all stained ourselves, And we stained ourselves with our sin. But Jesus... But Jesus has covered us. He's covered us with his precious blood. And now we have forgiveness. And he's caused us to have life through him. Abundant life. Eternal life. He has covered us with his precious blood. That's his story. In um, 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For our sake... He made him who knew no sin to become sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's think about that. For our sake. God did this for our sake. For our sake, he made Jesus the sinless son of God. He made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin. Jesus was stained with our sin when he went to the cross. He took the sin of the world on him. The sinless son of God becomes stained with our sin. And because he became stained with our sin, he, he covered us and, and we find provision, we find life. We become the righteousness of God. That's the ultimate pay it forward story. Think about it. That's the ultimate pay it forward story. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's greater than any headline story about 378 free cups of coffee. Because it's not a caffeine story. It's a spiritual story. It's a story of death and life. It's the story of the fact that you and I owed a debt to God because of our sin that we would never, ever, ever, ever begin to pay. We couldn't pay it. There was nothing that we could do to pay it. But Jesus, the sinless son of God, paid a debt that he didn't owe. 
Jesus died for our sin so that we wouldn't have to. And because of that, you and I have found forgiveness and life through the provision of Jesus Christ. Our life is different. We are new creations in Christ through the provision of Christ. Uh, the old has gone. The new has come. We got to start over. We got to do life over. And everything from the past was wiped away through Jesus Christ. But it goes even deeper than that. We also have the privilege and the responsibility to help other people find life through Jesus Christ, through the provision of Jesus Christ. We have a, we have a privilege. We have, we have a responsibility that we would go about life giving away what we say, paying it forward because we have now experienced it. We get to pay it forward time after time after time after time. And not only is it a privilege and an opportunity, but it's actually an assignment. It's an assignment directly from Jesus in Matthew 28, 19. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. He's given us our assignment to make disciples. Making disciples is the continual process of helping people find life through Jesus Christ. That's our assignment, to continually help people find life through Jesus Christ. Well, how do you make disciples? Well, we do what Jesus did. In uh, Luke uh, chapter 19, verse 10, it says that Jesus came to seek out and save those who are lost. That was his focus, to seek out and to save those who had lost their way. So we do the same thing that Jesus did. We spend our life being aware, being sensitive to the people that we continually encounter, whether it be at home at work, in the neighborhood, at the grocery store, at the library, wherever it might be, we're sensitive to people who have lost their way, people who have not yet found Jesus Christ. And then we look for opportunities to pay it forward. We look for opportunities to bridge the gap and have a conversation with them so that we can tell them the story, so we can tell them about the provision of Jesus Christ. And then we look for opportunities, not only for them to hear, but to lead them into relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, this is what our life is really all about. And then we carry it on. After they come into relationship with Christ, we invest in them. We give ourselves to them, teaching them what it means to live life in and through Jesus Christ to the fullest expression that God intended. What does it mean? Jesus said, I came that you might have life and you might have it to the fullest. And so we help people. We come alongside them and we help them understand what it means to live out life in Jesus Christ. And Jesus modeled this for us. I want you to turn to um, John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I'm going to read to you kind of a lengthy passage. It's going to, I'm going to begin in verse 4, uh, and we're going to go through 26. Uh, on the, the scripture is going to be on the screen too. It's going to stop at verse 19 and I'm going to, or 20, and I'm going to continue to read just a little past that. So uh, John chapter 4, I'm going to begin in verse 4. It says, Now he had to go through Samaria. 
So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we worship must be in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is come from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. There's so much in this story. We could literally spend weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks pulling out nugget after spiritual nugget after spiritual nugget. But we're just going to concentrate on one portion today. And it's how Jesus dealt with this woman in leading her to life, to true life. Um, the story is both simple and profound. And I suppose uh, in its simplest form, a summary of the story could be this. A man meets a woman in a seemingly chance encounter and in a few brief moments, her life is changed forever. Jesus helps her find life. This is a story about a woman who's looking for water, but instead she finds Jesus. She's looking for water and she finds Jesus. This is a story about a divine appointment. I love when we begin to read immediately in verse 4, it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. You know what that means? It wasn't optional for him. It wasn't because he chose to go through Samaria. It wasn't because he chose to go through Samaria because it was his preferred route. It wasn't because he chose to go through Samaria because it was the shortest route. It wasn't because he chose to go through Samaria because he was in a hurry. It was a divine necessity that he go through Samaria. Further on in the Gospel of John in chapter 8, we read where Jesus says, I don't do anything for my own initiative. I only do what the Father tells me to do. 
This was his constant mode of operation. Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. He only went where the Father told him to go. And that's exactly what happened that day. The Father, by divine appointment, directed Jesus to go to Samaria because there was a woman there that had lost her way. She needed to find life, and Jesus was the answer. And Jesus went. He had to go through Samaria. Um, this is also a story about breaking down walls so that a woman can find life. There were four walls that stood between Jesus and this woman. The first wall was the religious wall. The Jews did not associate with the Samaritans because of their religion. Their religion was uh, based on a mixture of foreign gods and, and uh, Judaism. And so because of this, they were, they were considered to be religious compromisers. And because of this compromise, uh, the Jewish people uh, considered them impure. And they, they didn't want anything to do with them. Yet Jesus broke through that wall. He broke through that religious wall so that this woman could find life. And then there was the gender wall. And Jesus broke through that gender wall. Uh, in that time, in that culture, it was unacceptable. It was socially unacceptable for a Jewish man to speak to any woman in public. It was even more unacceptable for a rabbi or a teacher to speak to a woman in public. The rabbis actually believed that the Jewish women should not be taught the scriptures. Yet, Jesus... How much more scandalous that Jesus would have a spiritual conversation with a, spiritual, uh, with a Samaritan woman. That was scandalous that he would do that. Yet Jesus broke through that wall of gender so that this woman could find life. She didn't even know she was looking for life. But Jesus broke through the wall. The third wall was a racial wall. Uh, because they were Samaritans, they were of a different race. Uh, they, uh, because of their intermarriage with the Syrians, they became, or they were considered by the Jews as um, a, a, a half-breed, a, a, a biological and a spiritual half-breed of, of outcast. They didn't want anything to do with them. They considered them unclean because of their uh, religion, their race. Uh, they, they were impure, yet Jesus broke through that wall. Jesus didn't let the racial wall keep him from helping a woman find life. And then finally, there was the moral wall that Jesus broke through. Um, this woman was in a live-in situation. Not only was she uh, a Samaritan, not only was she a woman, not only was she of a different race, but she was living an immoral lifestyle. And Jesus pointed it out. She was in a live-in situation with a man who was not her husband. Others would have nothing to do with her, but Jesus broke through the wall of immorality so that he could help her find life. You and I, we have a privilege and we have a responsibility and we have an assignment to help people find life. And as we're walking about, as we're living life doing that, we encounter these same kinds of walls. We encounter all of these walls and we have to be willing to break down those walls. We have to be willing to push those walls down simply so other people can find life. 
this is a story about Jesus taking a normal day and uh, a common need and turning it in an, into an opportunity to engage in a conversation with a woman who had a great need, a spiritual need, so that she could find life. And it's interesting because when you read on past what I read, um, she actually went back to her own little area, her region, and she began to tell everybody her story. And because of her testimony, it says that many in her town, her community, believed. So she was already paying it forward. She heard about the provision that Jesus had, this living water. She goes and she tells, and others receive this living water because she was willing to pay it forward. And we have the same responsibility. It's so easy to, to go throughout life every day and we're so caught up in, in all that just life requires for us that we can have blinders on and we, we neglect to see the people around us. We neglect to see the people who have lost their way, the people who don't know Jesus. And it's very easy to often pass judgment on those people, but how often do we stop and say the real need is they need living water that comes from Jesus Christ. The real need is they need an encounter with Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, I've had that encounter. I can pay this forward. I can pass it on. I have the opportunity to tell them. I can tell them about the provision of Jesus. Behind the scenes, this is really what was going on. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. This is where you get to fill in notes. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Um, he had to go through Samaria. Um, he identified a common need. It was water and he turned it into an opportunity. Just a common need and he turned it into an opportunity. Uh, he didn't get hung up on social protocol. He was more concerned about the woman and her need. And he operated in the supernatural to reveal the woman's need. So if you think about it, when we're working out our privilege, our responsibility, our assignment, these are the same things that we should function in. We should depend on the Holy Spirit. Every day at the beginning of our day, we should say, Holy Spirit, I invite you into every situation, every conversation, every room, every circumstance that I'm in. I invite you in so that I might be aware of the needs going on. And Holy Spirit, will you help me see opportunities where there's common needs? Because it doesn't have to be something extravagant. Listen, Jesus used something as simple as water to build a bridge to talk to this woman. And in our, in our everyday life, there are so many common needs that we encounter that people have and we have common things to us that they're a great bridge to just beginning to walk across to have a spiritual conversation. And in having those conversations, our main focus must be on the person, not necessarily the rules and the regulations around. Not necessarily what might people think. What might my coworkers think? They've said we can't talk about God at work. Well, find a place on break. Go across the street. But have a concern. That person needs to encounter Jesus. I love, I love it when Marty prayed for uh, the Nick V event this week. That he, he actually gave us a different perspective. It wasn't about coming to see a man. It was about coming to have an encounter with God. And that's what we're really doing. We're, we're helping people have an encounter with God. And we have to be willing to function in the supernatural. 
Listen, because of the spirit of God living in us, we all, if we have relationship with Jesus, we have the ability to function in the supernatural. In fact, every day our life should be naturally supernatural. It should just be how we live. And so you shouldn't be surprised if you're in a spiritual conversation with someone and you begin to hear something here and here and, and, and it, 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 it's, it, you feel like it's, you're getting some insight into this person's life to be able to speak that out to say, you know, just as we're talking, I have a sense that. And, and you just put it out there. The worst they can say is, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. That's the worst that can happen. They could even get offended. But the best that could happen is they go, how did you know that? How, how could you have known that? And you know it's because you were willing to function in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit working in you. And that the Holy Spirit would reveal things to you about that person. And when we're people who are spirit-filled, spirit-led, depending on the Holy Spirit, this can happen every day. This is how we walk out our privilege and our responsibility. We've been called to help people find life. And these are the things that we need to have functioning in our life. Once we understand we have the privilege and the responsibility and the assignment, then we need to depend on these kinds of things, the same kinds of things that uh, Jesus uh, modeled for us. Um, and I want to say, helping people find life isn't always easy or it's not always comfortable. Sometimes those opportunities can come up at the strangest times. And you have to make a decision. Am I going to walk into this? But the truth of the matter is, if we are willing to take the step, the Holy Spirit will lead it. We, it's not always easy. It's not always comfortable. But we have to be willing to push down the walls and go where they are. Let me ask you, if, if, you're, if you woke up one night and your house was on fire, and I hope it doesn't happen to any of you, but if you woke up and your house was on fire and you called the fire department, help, our house is on fire, we're trapped inside. When the fire department arrived, if the fireman stood out in front of your house and said, okay, y'all, your house is on fire, come on out, come on out, y'all come on out of the house because your house is on fire, that's not what you want them to do. What do you want them to do? You want them to push down the door. You want them to break down walls if they need to and come and rescue you and bring you out. And that's exactly what we've been called to do. To push down, to break down, to move through walls and boundaries uh, uh, that have that barriers so that we can go and we can rescue them out of. You see, Jesus had to go into Samaria so that he could rescue the woman to bring her into a point of life. And had he not have been willing, she wouldn't have found life. But he was willing to go where it was a bit uncomfortable. Um, you and I uh, don't have the ability to save anyone, but we can trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can bring salvation, can bring conviction. We can't save anyone, but here's what we can do. We can make ourselves available. This is in your notes. You can share your story. The power, so it's like I talked about at the men's breakfast. Four men are going to share their story because there's power in their story. We are believing that as men share their story about the power of God working in their lives, that other men are going to be encouraged convicted, inspired to deepen their walk with Jesus Christ. And you can extend an invitation. And we've been talking a lot about this. This really isn't a message to get you to extend an, an invitation to the Nick, Nick V event, but that is something that you can do. 
You can extend an invitation. But you can extend an invitation every single weekend to a church service. You can extend an invitation for a person to come to a Bible study. You can extend an invitation for somebody to come to your house for dinner. To build that bridge, it's, it's extended invitation. I want you to walk, watch as we close just a, sh a brief video about the power of the invitation. So I was recruiting for a job for somebody in Charlotte and I came across Sarah's resume and we hit it off right away. We became best friends. So three months later, after dropping a couple of hints and us hanging out a couple of times, she was like, I just, I think Grace Covenant is, is where you need to go. You need to check it out. And I was like, oh, I don't know, that's a, that's a pretty big church. It's a little overwhelming for me. I was like, I just, I don't know if I should do it. I'll, I might be like, lightning bolts might come down at me <laughs> if I go near the church. So uh, a lot of transition happened over the years. So Noah's dad and I got a divorce and that tends to, cause havoc. I didn't know where to like put my hands, so to speak. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know which direction I needed to go. And it almost felt like everything was self-imploding, like it was just closing in on you. Where can I find happiness? Because I'm just, I'm not happy and I was super disconnected from my son and there was just a lot of disconnection everywhere. But I didn't want to let Sarah down. I didn't want to, to miss that friendship or mess that up at all. So I went and man, as soon as I went in, it was it was game over. Um, you know, the worship team was going and I just immediately started crying and because all you know, because in those moments all the right words are coming at you and it was the moment that I was like, oh, I, I need to be coming to church. That's that's what I need to be doing. Life is is great. Noah and I have an amazing relationship. I have an amazing job. It's quieter now, so, um, but there's still things that are amiss. The faith has to stay continued. It doesn't just stop or, or stay that way. I can be myself, but definitely a better version and not as destructive. So it was like, the doors were opened and it was like, hey, come on in, yeah, you're part of us. And it was like, oh. And it was just, just this level of peace. So this is a story of a woman who was looking for direction in her life and because of an invitation, she found Jesus. And now her life's completely different. That's the story she tells and that's the story, she just paid it forward to us. She just told her story. So there's power in the invitation. Um, men, this is why I'm inviting you to come to the men's breakfast next week. That's why we're inviting all of you to, to, to come to the Nick V event, to, to come and invite someone that can have an encounter with Jesus. There's the power of the invitation. Would you stand? I want to pray for you before you go. Father, um, thank you for covering us with your precious blood, the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. We confess that we've all stained ourselves with our sin, but we're so thankful that we've been covered over with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we have newness of life. We have new life. We have a full life. Father God, uh, you've done so much in and for us. And Father God, I pray that we would be a people who would be so willing 
to give it away, to pay it forward, to help other people know about the provision of Jesus Christ. Give us a sensitivity to be aware wherever we are, wherever we go. Help us to look for those opportunities to enter into a spiritual conversation. Help for us to look for those common things that would allow that. Help us to tell people the story and help us to walk alongside them so that they can grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ because that's what you've called us to do. So, Father God, we surrender to you today. We present ourselves to you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you help us uh, uh, as we walk about this. We commit to it today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.